Okay. All right, come back to me. Come back to me. Let me just, uh, guys, let me just begin by saying welcome to the table. This is awesome. I just want to say I'm just blown away that we have so many people here that you guys want to come and spend your Thursday nights. Um, guys, I'm really honored um, that you're with us. Um, I know you might not know me yet, but um, it feels really sappy, but uh, we love you. Um, the table ministers and I, uh, our job is for you, and so we are. Um, we're really excited to get to know you, and we're really excited to open God's Word with you tonight. Um, my name is Alex Sheets. I don't know if I said that already. I'm an outreach minister, and tonight, as we're opening God's Word, we are going to come face-to-face with a situation that a man is put in that is not just difficult, it is impossible. Like, actually impossible. And I know you college students, you guys... You guys know impossible situations, um, impossible situations like, like going to bed before midnight. It's impossible. Impossible. Can't be done. Can't be done. The way you guys talk about it, it's impossible. Like a week without coffee. Whoo boy. I've seen you guys try to give it up. Can't be done. I've seen your Aspen bill. Let's not even pretend. You won't do it. It's impossible. Like reaching all the way over and flipping on that turn signal as you're going through the streets of Stillwater. Lord, protect me. We can't do it. It's impossible. We've all been in some impossible situations. While some of those are hard, borderline impossible, tonight we're talking about the actual impossible. But before we talk about that, I just want to tell you a little bit about us. So this is the table. Welcome to the table. Um, And what we do, who we are, is we walk through the Bible exegetically. And what that means, it is verse by verse through one book of the Bible. And this year, we're going to be going through 1 Peter. We're going to be looking at Jesus Christ, always about Jesus Christ, making much about Jesus, but through the lens of the disciple who was very, very close to him. We're going to be going through 1 Peter and then 2 Peter in the second semester. But for these first three weeks, we want to just take a step back and we want to talk about the life of Peter, some huge interactions that he had with Jesus that set him on the trajectory ahead. And the hope is that, one, you just know these interactions and they're formative for you because Peter, in some ways, he reflects us. But more than that, when we come to the book of 1 Peter, that you hear words that have been tested by life. So when we get there, that you don't just see words, but you've seen words that have been tested. That's where we're going tonight. Tonight we're going to be in Matthew 14. Feel free to turn there if you want. Where Jesus walks on water, treads on the very storms, the most chaotic parts of life, but it's not just Jesus, Peter does too. Because whatever Jesus does, his disciples can as well. And I want to ask one question before we get going. Why 
in the world did Peter get out of that boat? Why? What was going on in his head that made Peter think that I can get out of that boat and walk on the waves to do the impossible? That's where we're going, Matthew 14. As you turn in there, I just want to give you just a little bit of background information to set the scene, to help you understand some things that are going on. The first is this, that uh, the disciples, they've actually been in a situation that's very similar to one that you're going to see today. Uh, Matthew 8.24 is uh, almost a repeat of what you're hearing in Matthew 14. Except in Matthew 8, Jesus is with them. Matthew 8 goes something along the lines of this. The disciples are on the Sea of Galilee, and they're going along the line, going, I don't know, rowing, whatever you do on the Sea of Galilee. And as they're rowing, a storm crops up, and it's getting so intense that they're about to get swamped and die by drowning. And they're freaking out, because that's what any of us, I would freak out. I don't want to drown. That's one of the worst ways to die, okay? A lot of other ways to die, we can talk about that later, but I would choose, Okay? And Jesus is asleep. It's like, what? Jesus, wake up. We're about to drown. There's so many other ways I'd rather die. Jesus, wake up. <laughs> and he wakes up and he speaks to the storms as if they were a person. He wakes up and he says, be quiet, be still. And the storms obey him. And they're blown away. They're like, who is this that the wind and the waves obey him? And he calls them, he says, you of little faith, why did you doubt? The Lord is with them. That's a phrase that you're going to see again. You of little faith. Another thing to see is that this situation that we're in today is always linked with another situation. The three gospel writers that put these two together, they always record it with the feeding of the 5,000. They go, feeding of the 5,000, and then walking on the water. So, and this is such a big deal that Mark, uh, the gospel writer Mark, he says, the reason that they freaked out in the storms is because they didn't understand the feeding of the 5,000. And one big thing that might be going on in the background that I just want you to see, to have in the, the back of your minds, is all of these echoes to the book of Exodus that I just think are so cool. In Exodus... You have God Almighty leading His people out, walking on the waves, making a way for His people. And then He leads them into the wilderness, and then He feeds them with miraculous food. Psalm 77 says this, it says, Your footsteps, O God, were with us, but we didn't see you. Your feet tread on the waves, but you were not seen. That story is almost like the same that we see, like Jesus taking his people out there and feeding them with miraculous food and then walking on the waves and making a way for his people, linking the two together. And this final thing, just to have it in the back of our minds, why did Peter get out in that boat? you got to understand this. When it comes to disciples, there are two big ideas. When there's a disciple, that means... That the rabbi, the master, has believed in you. That something about you, he believed in. And that you can be just like him. 
Whatever the master does, you, the rabbi, sorry, the disciple, can do as well. Those are a little bit of background stuff. Turn to Matthew 14. Let me pray, and then we will dive into it. Lord Jesus, thank you for tonight. Thank you for the chance to open your word. God, I ask that you would speak. I ask that your spirit would be here. I ask that you would pour out your presence among us. I don't know where these people are, what's going on in their life, if they're tired, if they're exhausted, if they've got relational drama. Sometimes life is chaotic. God, but I know one thing, that you walk on chaotic waters, that you have such control in life over everything. I pray that they can feel your presence and they can know that you have control even over their life and that that gives them peace. I pray that you open their hearts to understand you and understand your scriptures. pray this in your holy name, Jesus. Amen. Okay, Matthew 14, verse 22, says this. Immediately... Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd after the feeding of the 5,000. After he dismissed them, he went up on the mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake as if it was dry land. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It is a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. A couple things I just want to say right there. Like, like put yourself in their shoes, okay? The Sea of Galilee is not that big. Uh, It's probably six miles just to cross it. I'm I'm not on the OSU rowing team. I have never done this before but I don't think it would take nine hours to cross it, okay? For those rowers or like the OSU, the rowing in the Colvin, like that's intense, you know? These guys are in the middle of a storm. They are rowing for their life. They are exhausted. It's probably 3 a.m. I have no idea what's going on in their minds, okay? But at 3 a.m.-ish, in the middle of a storm, they just see a figure walking on the waves, between wave to wave, as if it was land. Like wave, wave, maybe the moon came out and they see a glimpse of it. Like, holy crap! Like, I would have lost my crap, I don't know what I've done. They cried out, this is a a ghost, this is a phantasma, it's the Greek. They would have thought one of two things, that this was either the ghost, a haunted person that drowned, that couldn't make it to the next life, that's a Greek thought, or they would have thought this is a demon that inhabits the watery places, that's a Jewish thought. Either way, they were terrified, and I don't blame them, I would have too. But this is what Jesus says in their terror, verse 27, Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. He says it's me. It's the Lord. Take courage. And notice this. That's all that is said. 
And Peter responds with this, out of sheer terror, responds, Lord, if it is you, tell me to come to you on the water. Call me to you. Command me to come to you. That's all he's got to go off. He says, it's me, Jesus. Lord, command me to come, and I'll come. Then Jesus replies, come. Then Peter got down on the boat, walked on the water, and came forward, came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, why did you doubt? When they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. A couple things I just want to note off the top of, as we just read the scripture. There were 12 men in that boat, at least. 12 disciples, okay? Only one got out and walked on the waves. Only one, after recognizing Jesus, said, I want to try this. I want to be like him. Like, what was going on? Why did Peter get out of the boat? Was it courage? Was it stupidity? Was it faith? Like, what's going on? The Bible doesn't tell you what happened. All it says is that he recognized, Jesus says, it is me, and then Peter responds. But it does tell you this, that Peter would not do anything until the master told him to. He says, Lord, tell me to come to you. Command me. Call me to yourself, and I will come. A word from Jesus was enough for him to step into the impossible. And he succeeds. As much as he was centered on Jesus, as much as his faith was on the Lord, his eyes were on the Lord, he could do it. But he fails. When the reality of danger causes him to doubt. He took his eyes off the Lord, and he began to sink. And then it says, immediately, the Lord reached out and caught him. Immediately. It's amazing. You see, actually, I remember... When I was, uh, I think, eight or so, I remember hearing this story for the first time. Uh, I grew up in a small town church, Cleveland, Oklahoma, represent, um, praise the Lord. Um, I remember hearing this story for the first time. I, I heard it, and I was just blown away. It's like, man, I want to be like Peter, this little eight-year-old chubby kid, okay? And I remember going home, this is a little silly, okay? I'm going to expose myself. I remember going home. My house had uh, some ponds nearby. And going to the ponds out back, making sure no one was around. Because that would be really embarrassing. Walking to the riverbank. Remember, I was eight years old, okay? And then praying, Lord, I have faith in you. And trying to walk out. And getting really soaked immediately. I was blown away. Like, what happened? <laughs> Did I not have enough faith? I had childlike faith. 
I was a child, man. So I tried again. I go to the bank. This is a real story, guys. Okay? This time, I go to the river bank, and I close my eyes, and I said, Lord, I believe in you. Heart full of the Lord, you know? And I try to walk out again. And I get soaked. I don't know if you guys are expecting anything. I get soaked again. It's devastated. I was shook before shook was a word, guys. Why had God forsaken me? Why couldn't I do what Peter did? Did I not have enough faith? These were great questions that the eight-year-old me had. But there is a point to this story that eight-year-old me missed that I hope we do not miss tonight. A single major point. Let's look at the text again so we can see it. Verse 27, Jesus appears in their terror and tells them who he is and tells them to take courage. Verse 28, Peter asked the Lord to call him onto the water. He calls, calls him to himself and he steps out. Peter can succeed exactly where Jesus succeeds because Jesus is the one empowering him to, for the task at hand. Most scholars agree that Matthew records this, one, because it's true, but two, for our sake today, that this is a challenge of faith, that the head disciple, the key, Peter, was put in the most difficult situation, a real life or death situation, to show that disciples can walk in the footsteps of their master. And to show this point, that those Jesus calls, He empowers. Those Jesus calls, He empowers. He did it then, and He will do it with us. And that's what we'll talk about the second half. Let's take a short break. Hello? Hello? Oh, it was me. Are we good? Can you hear me? Yeah. It's me. It's me. Bible college does not train you for the ways of technology. Okay. Back into spiritual mode, everyone. Okay. Those Jesus calls, He empowers. What does that mean? First, I want to just start by this. I know, I know you are called by God. I know. If there's any question in your mind, let me just erase it right now. Like, to be Christian is to be called by God. That is a favorite phrase of 1 Peter. He's going to say it all over the place. Here is one. 1 Peter 2.9 says this, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of Him who called you. Him who called you out of darkness and into His marvelous light. To be Christian is to be called. You are called by God. And I also believe that even if you're not Christian, 
you're also still being called by God right now. 2 Corinthians 5 says this, We are ambassadors of reconciliation with one simple message. Please be reconciled to God. Please be reconciled to God in Christ Jesus. This world does not fulfill you. Everything that we try to fill our hearts with that sustains us doesn't work. One Christian author says this, Our hearts are restless until they find our rest in Him. I believe that Jesus is calling you even now in a sermon. You're called by God, but Christian or non-Christian, you got to step out in faith. You got to answer that call. You got to get out of the boat when Jesus calls. Those he calls, he empowers. You've seen that tonight with Peter. Matthew 14, Peter attempts the impossible and he succeeds. Because Jesus was there empowering him, he could do whatever the Lord called him to. And I know some of you might say something like this, like, yeah, that's cool, like, that, that's the Apostle Peter. Like, I'm a college student. Like, I'm, I'm 18 to 21 years old. Like, let's stop talking about walking on water. I feel like I'm drowning already. Drowning in relationships, drowning in all the homework I have. Like, I don't, I don't feel like I'm thriving. I don't feel like I'm walking that God wants me to do. I feel, some of us, we can feel like a failure in life. It's hard to step out if we feel like we're going to fail already. I want to remind you, even at the beginning, that it's not about success or failure. It's about faithfulness. Faithfulness to the call. Peter stepped out, and he failed. He failed, he doubted, and he sinked. And Jesus caught him immediately. And by the way, why did he doubt? You know? Can we just talk about that for a second? Like Peter, the apostle, this guy who saw Jesus, like he's there in front of him. Like Jesus is standing on the waves, like standing there on the waves. Peter steps out onto water. And yet something happens and Peter begins to doubt as well. Apparently, seeing isn't believing. Apparently, our doubts are more than that. You can see and still doubt. See, I'm a skeptical person. I'm a skeptical person. I have no shame standing before you today and saying that there is a rabbi that lived 2,000 years ago, and now he's reigning, and he's going to come back, and he's living inside of us, his spirit. I have no shame in telling you that, but I am. I actually am a pretty skeptical person. I doubt a lot of things that people say. I doubt half the stuff I say today. I don't know if that invalidates me as a speaker, but I don't know. Play, play a lying game with me. Play chameleon or something with me sometimes. Be skeptical, you know? But here's some things that I'm skeptical of. I doubt some softballs. I doubt Bigfoot exists. I doubt Nessie exists. Nessie exists. I doubt that you doubt that birds are real. I doubt that. I really do. I doubt it. 
Although, some of you are quite convincing. But I still doubt it. I doubt that Drew is warm right now. I doubt that OSU is going to win a national championship. Go Pokes. Go Pokes. I doubt it. I'm a skeptical person. I have doubts, everyone. I have doubts. My faith is shaken. But I don't believe that's what the Bible is talking about when it talks about doubts. See, these are rational doubts. Peter saw, Peter walked, and yet he still doubted what happened. You see, Peter, what happened with Peter, what happened with his doubts is called, a phrase called double-mindedness. Double-mindedness. And it it means something like this. Although I believe, I, I don't trust. Although I know my, my knowledge lacks conviction. I doubt. I waver. James 1 says this, But when you ask of God, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of sea. Interesting metaphor. Like a wave of sea blown and tossed about by the wind. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Why did Peter see and still doubt? It's because his fears became more real to him than the person standing in front of him. His fears became the center of where he was. His fears mastered him rather than the master standing in front of him. And that's something that I can understand deeply. I wrestle with anxiety. I know what it's like to have fears. But we cannot let these fears master us. We're called to walk boldly in faith. In faith in the one who's calling us. You see, you are called. But you are not called to walk on water. I just want to clear that up right now. You are welcome to try with Theta Pond later tonight. I would not recommend you wear nice clothes. You... See, walking on waves is not impressive. Walking in the kingdom and in the spirit is more impressive than any miracle that could or could not be done. You are called to walk in the spirit. And that means you are capable of dying to yourself and living in Christ Jesus. You are capable of living a life that is not self-centered, that's not all about you. Every part of you is around you. Jesus calls you to lay that to death, to crucify that, just like he went to the cross. He's calling you to it and empowering you in it. You are called to walk by the Spirit, and that means saying no to the evil that is within you. There's no sin that can conquer you. You're called to a holy and pure life. And that's what it means to walk by the Spirit. You're called to rise above fear and chaos that surrounds you. A life that says no to fear. And yes to what Jesus is calling you to. That's what it means to be called. And if you fall, 
Because Christianity is not about succeeding all the time and being the perfect person. If you fall, like Jesus, He will catch you. Because those that fall, He catches. He's right there. It said immediately, He's ready to catch you. For whatever little faith that Peter had, I want to confess this. I don't think that I would have gotten out of that boat. Like, put yourself in that situation. If you were in that boat, what would you have done? If I'm honest, I don't think I would have stepped out onto the waves. Like, if you just look at my life, like, my life is marked by fear and worry about my own image. Like, I care more about what people think about me. Like, I don't risk, I don't like risking for the name of Jesus, like, like now, in America. I'm more scared of what people are going to say about me if they disagree with things like sexuality, with morality, with if I share Christ with you, what will you do to me? I, I'm genuinely scared. I have fear that I have to overcome. I don't think I would have stepped out and risked my life if I'm not going to risk my image. The thing is, all our talk about empowerment, all our talk about being called and being empowered doesn't mean much because I would have never found out what it means to be empowered if I wouldn't have stepped out of that boat. You have to step out to find out what it means to be empowered. Some of you in life, you're like me. I I don't know where you are. But some of you are still in the boat. You enjoy comfort. You got your life figured out. And can I say this? It's time for you to step out in faith. To step out boldly to risk something for the name of Jesus because He is calling and He is sending. He has a plan for you. What I believe He would say to you tonight is simply come. Simply come. 1 John 2.6 says this, to be a disciple is that we walk as Jesus walks. Whatever He does, we do as well. Come. Some of you You are walking boldly in some very chaotic situations. Life is very uncertain. You don't know what's going on. But can I say this? For you that are walking boldly and faithfully, keep your eyes fixed firmly on the Lord and not the chaos that's around you, not the relationships, not the grades, not what you may not have. You may be risking. Keep your eyes on the Lord. What I believe the Lord is saying to, would say to you tonight is take courage. It is I. I am. The same Lord that walks on the chaotic waters of life has the power over all the chaos of your life. Take courage and keep your eyes fixed on Him. And if any of you feel like you're drowning in the relationships in whatever the mess that life has, 
Can I say this? Just like Peter, cry out to the Lord and He will catch you immediately. It's what He does. He catches those that fall. It's not about being perfect. It's about being in Him. And that is grace. Because those He calls, He empowers. That's what Peter found out. And that's what you and I will find out as we walk faithfully in Him. But you've got to step out of the boat this semester. Let's pray. Jesus, thank You for this time. Thank You for each individual person that You have here. God, thank You for Your Word. I ask that You would stick with them, that they would feel Your presence, and that as they go, they would know that they are called by You, that they would feel convicted if they needed to be convicted, but that they would know that they have You strengthening them in whatever chaos life has. I pray that they know that you love them and that you are with them. This very one who walks on the waves is now living inside of us. We love you, Lord, and we thank you. It's in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen.